Welcome to Own and Brew's Barbecue. Today we are serving up a giant rack of Crate Dragon ribs. I'm, my name's Matt, and I'm joined by who I think is a dragon expert. <laughs> yeah, maybe Game of Thrones, maybe. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's a little bit of crossover there, right? We could be eating on those ribs for a very long time. You know? So long. I don't think there's a deep freezer large enough to like contain all of that meat. At the very end of the episode, I assumed that's what that was on the back of the speeder was just a big giant cube of meat. Yeah. That I, that's what I thought. I was like, I was like, wow, I was like that. That's just like one little thing, but still, it's a huge chunk of meat. You know? I, I assume that he's taking that back to like uh, Pelly or something like that. Like, you know, hey, yeah. hey thanks some- for helping me work on my ship. Here's here's some meat. <laughs> that actually does make sense. Yeah, a little bit of like a barter because you know he never has much money. So it's like, hey, here's twenty pounds of crate dragon <laughs> this will keep you fed until i come back here next next uh season right so i like how we jumped to the end like just automatically yeah i'm glad you bring it i mean um <laughs> well today we're talking about chapter nine of the mandalorian it's called the marshal um the marshal and uh we're gonna we're gonna get spoilery we're gonna try to hit every single easter egg but i don't know if we possibly can with this supersized episode i don't know about easter eggs there definitely were some pearls in this episode (laughs) i like that that's that's good um yeah i mean even as i was writing notes and and nick and i were talking about this before the the show it's just like i feel like i have five different papers going of like oh there's this there's this there's this um so you know right off the bat nick what what's your take on this episode did you like it did you love it did you hate it no, I was very, I was just overall, my, I, re, I really liked it. It was entertaining. It was really back to the space Western theme and a lot of elements that we'll get into more as we talk about it. Um, the only thing I kind of had a little bit of issue with it um, was that I, I felt that some elements were kind of a retelling of episodes of chapters one and two. Uh, namely in that, you know, you have the, the early cantina scene as you did episode one, you have the going to the pit to slay something instead of the mud horn. Now it's the crate dragon. Um, and then I have another point too. Um, I, I definitely did think about the mud horn. Yeah. Um, that like popped into my mind. Um, I feel like wherever we're going, you know, if we're, if we're having a space Western, there's gotta be a cantina somewhere. Right. Like it, True. It just, it just feels kind of par for the course. Like every, every Western has a saloon, you know? So, uh, uh, or at least, you know, but, uh, that, I mean, being, I, that being that being said, you know, like uh, definitely when as they approached that that cave, you know, mm-hmm. I, you know like, oh, this is this is crate dra- or not crate dragon. This is a uh, mudhorn two point That's yeah, exactly. That's what I felt, you know. And then even at the end with the reveal, um, which we don't have to really get into in detail right now, but like you know, it was like whereas you had Baby Yoda, like the surprise was oh, like, sure. oh, what is this? Now you yeah. have this surprise as well at the end of this one, which I didn't feel as quite had the impact as the Baby Yoda because Baby Yoda is just so cute. Aww. But but it was just like, oh, I see what they're doing here. But it, mm-hmm. you know, so it kind of mirrored in a way the first two episodes I felt of uh, of chapter one and two. A solid episode, though. Like we oh, got great 40, 50, 50 minutes, and and the pacing of it, like, and I felt like the the tapestry it wove. You know, it's like we got a little bit of everything. You know, and if if you were missing some Baby Yoda memes, I mean, I feel I feel like him flying on that speeder bike. That was so great. 
right? I mean, that I think that's where it is. Just the facial expressions of what mm-hmm. they do with Baby Yoda is so good because you know he's just sitting there in the bag, like in, like he's enjoying life. You know, it's like hey, you know, you could almost like it's like that uh, that Nick Cage meme, you know, and, and Con Air when he gets his head out and the, and the hair's flying. That's what I see in Baby Yoda. Just like I'm enjoying life on this scooter. Like yeah, man. You know? And then then you you, you kind of see other things too, like when he's uh, when they're around the barbecue, you know, and the dog, the, mm, the, the oh, yeah. dog is like looking at him, you know, licking. He's he doesn't quite show fear, but he's just kind of like, I don't know if I like you or not. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, but it was, it was good. Um, yeah, and and yeah, just a full meal, you yeah. know. Like, um, so let's let's kind of uh, d- dig into to this, and and I know that uh, we have notes that go all over the place, and we'll probably talk about some some aspects. Um, I want to just touch base on r- real quick. Uh, if you listen to the episode prior to this, where we made our predictions, we were not spoiled on anything. Like mm-hmm. I don't look at any spoilers. I didn't know that Timothy Oliphant would appear in Boba Fett's outfit. I, I had no clue that that was going to happen whatsoever. Um, so that, that was just a, a <laughs> Jack would be like toting this around, like, oh, yeah. I won. <laughs> Look at me. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe it. I should be on Owen and Bruce. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I also mentioned, um, you know, I said like somebody like Jodo cast appearing, you know, like somebody like psyching us out, like, like, you know, that there would be like somebody in the Boba Fett armor. That's mm-hmm. not Boba Fett. And right. only Star Wars fans would be like, Oh, um, I wanted to mention Fen Shisa, I think is his, his name. Um, I had to I had to do some digging into my my old school Marvel comics. This is this is issue number sixty eight, very popular issue of the the original Marvel run here because it's got what appears to be Boba Fett on the cover, and I'm holding this up while Nick is just ignoring me. But that's okay. no, I'm listening one hundred percent. I just I guess when I wrote down that name as well somewhere, I'm like, oh, okay. um, go ahead, yeah. So, so, so Nick, if you can look at the screen here, um, so this is the issue that I'm that I'm talking about. It even has Legos on the back. Oh, cool! Um, but uh, yeah, this is issue number sixty-eight. Came out in February of nineteen eighty-three. Um, it dives into some basically the first references of Mandalore and Mandalorians um, occurs in this actual issue. Uh, of course, they didn't know what was going to happen um, at all. Um, but it sets up a, a story where Princess Leia is searching for Boba Fett, comes across someone who looks to be Boba Fett. Hmm. She saves him because uh, she sees that this guy who she thinks is Boba Fett is shooting a slaver. And so she's anti-slavery. So she's like, she protects him mm-hmm. um, and realizes like he's not Boba Fett, um, that he's this Fen Shaisa guy and uh, who used to be with Boba Fett and, um, used to yeah there's a whole other backstory it's it's kind of boring um but maybe a high point for some of the star wars marvel runs and the fact that they um did provide you know some expanded stories for you know in a time period where we didn't have much star wars and now now we're at where we can just roll in all of the wonderful things that they're they're putting together um one, yeah, I know we're going to get to this episode, but one, <laughs> one other thing I wanted to point out, though, though Nick, and we talked about it a lot, and how we're so frustrated with the rise of Skywalker specifically, um, and you know, in general, the larger picture of the sequel trilogy and the fact that it didn't 
play with the sandbox that was already there. Mm -hmm. you know, it wanted to make its own sandbox while riffing off of everything Star Wars. You know what I mean? It, it like riffed off of the original trilogy, but you know, as far as like playing with all of the other expanded universe things, it, it really just kind of was like, whatever, you know, it just, it, it could care less. And I feel like this episode, um, and, and we felt this way about the Mandalorian in general, but this episode specifically highlights how you can have a character who's a no name or mm. somebody like, or some little trivial things that exist in a video game somewhere that appear and become relevant. And you can have both new and old star Wars fans go, that's so cool. Mm. And it unites us all in a way that we're like loving it. Well, I, I think, you know, it's, it's kind of like with the Cobra Kai that now Netflix is doing. Um, the same as with the Mandalorian, like they, both of these shows are homages, but also a continuance of a mm -hmm. story we all love. And when they reference something from the past, it's usually very subtle. Like you either get it or you don't get it, but it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't like make you focus that on the scene. It's like, Oh, that's cool. Like that, look at that little thing on the wall, but that's cool. Or, or is it some random word that they used, you know, and you're like, Oh, but it's, it doesn't take away from the scene. Like the way yeah, I it, felt, you know, it, some it, of the it, things in the sequel trilogy did where it's like, Oh yeah, here's a thing, a throwback to the old trilogy. And you're like, well, you don't have to beat me over the head with it. Just kind of like, if you're, exactly. it, just, just and you're right. And there's a difference between beating you over the head with a club and like subtly putting in something that again, old star Wars fans can be like, Oh, that's cool. You know, like I said, um, you know, it's like even something like just the quick scene when they're doing, when he's given the flashback story, uh -huh. when you see the Death Star two blow up, uh, it's very subtle in a way that's like, it showed the bigger universe and that like, Hey, we're, you know, we were all experiencing this together, even yeah. though we're in this little hole in the ground. Uh, but it also shows the importance of, the original trilogy, like it's like, you know, Luke's and Leia's sure. and Han, all of the things they did was, were important. You know, it, it did filter out. And so it's like, you know, but they didn't have, they didn't get into it. They just showed that little clip and like, that was it. And you're like, Hey, that's cool. Like, you know, it's just like, yeah. it, just, it, it just shows from their point of view, the impact of the bigger story. You know? And that, uh, the Orabesh that's, that's spinning around at the very bottom of the news ticker. It says, uh, I'd seen online where it says something from the original return of the Jedi crawl where it says, um, a new, a new death star, more powerful than the, the first makes sense. Yeah. So I mean, they basically just took that part of the, the scroll, uh, the scroll, the, the, you know, the mm -hmm. words going back into space at the beginning of return of the Jedi and, and put that on the Orabesh. I don't have an, a direct translation for you. Um, yeah. The, but, the only thing I translated, um, was at the very beginning of the episode when he's walking down the alley Oh yeah, there's a lot of that graffiti. Graffiti. The there's a lot of it, and a lot, of, and a lot of it. I didn't waste my time on because it's so hard mm -hmm. to see. I was like, I'm not gonna. But there was one right at the very first time you see it on the right side. Yeah. I thought I thought it was funny because it says Kilroy. <laughs> so anyone who knows your graffiti history, you know, Kilroy was uh, like the very first thing ever back in World yeah. War II. The people would just like Kilroy was here, you know. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of funny that they wrote Kilroy was here on the and wall. It's just like, it's just a little doodle of a guy like peeking over a wall. Or peeking something. over a wall, yeah. I was yeah. like, that's funny. Yeah. You know, I think we we you know we we both know each other basically, a la through Lost. You know, um, and you know one of the things that I think we may have mentioned was we just wanted we just wanted like a, a wall. That comes <laughs> right. 
app like like John Locke sees and, and lost uh, where we can like kind of look at all of these things. And I felt like that graffiti moment at the beginning of this episode. I mean, like there's I, you know, I could see there's a snow st- snow trooper with a mm-hmm. you know, helmet crossed out. There's like a C-3PO looking thing. Yeah. There's a Watto up mm-hmm. on one. Um, yeah, he's on the, the door to the fight. The water, mm-hmm. and yeah. then you also have like it's not Darth Vader, but you have like a weird helmet, and the, but yeah. you have the, yeah, but you have the the uh, the rectangular mask, mm-hmm. but it's not quite Darth Vader, but yeah, yep. No, there's a lot of a lot of cool cool little little uh, treats in there. Um, so so the episode begins uh, with with a scene that we saw in the trailer of of the Mandalorian walking out of the shadows with Baby Yoda um, through this darkened alleyway area and. You know, we also see these red eyes pop up. Um, we never really see what kind of creatures those are. Right. I assumed they were dogs, but you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I almost, I also kind of felt it was neat, even though it's not like, it's kind of like the Jawas and a new hope, you know, you see the yellow eyes, whereas this time you see the red eyes, but for a very different purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this, the, the Mandalorian is going to the, the fight, right. Mm. Uh, to meet Gore Koresh. Um, who is played by John Leguizamo. And how cool is it that we can get some high-quality character actors to come in for just, like, someone who's going to die? I, yeah, I think it's because everybody wants to be a part of Star Wars. Every yeah. actor wants to be a part. I would, like, you know, oh, yeah. in a heartbeat. Yeah. It's like, oh, you want me just for a one-line cameo? Cool. Mm-hmm. I'm there. You know, I'll do it yeah. for free. You know, it's like, let's do it. Uh, yeah, but I mean, I was more excited just that we saw it, you know, and as, as Ben, I never said it right, as Ben, as Benson. Oh yeah, uh, Abyssian. Abyssian, yeah, because, mm-hmm. you know, we've only really seen one just in the cantina scene from A New Hope. We don't see them that often. So I was like, oh, Yeah, no, cool. that's right. And I'm glad that you mentioned that because, you know, it's a, it's a definite callback um, mm-hmm. to that. So yeah, Gore Koresh is, is an uh, Abyssian. So from Bis. From <laughs> Bis, yeah. Because we're Earthians from Earth. <laughs> um. Yeah, uh, I love the, um, you know, this this whole opening sequence of the of the fight. You know, we we got, I mean, basically, uh, you know, a lot of the tidbits of this this fight sequence already in the trailer, um, but still was really cool to see it fully play out. Mm-hmm. And one of the cool things that I loved when when the fight does go down, um, you you see the uh, the Gamarian in the background who's like basically like running around like i don't know what i should do right <laughs> you know i mean like he's you know the fight's going on and gore koresh breaks the fight by by killing the opponent that's going to kill his own grammarian guard right i kept thinking baby yoda was going to interfere somehow or like make this fight go a different way or like you know there might have been some qui-gon Jin kind of like reference where the mandalorian was going to gamble and then baby yoda mm-hmm. like does his little magic hand thing um, I'm glad they didn't go there and that the Mandalorian was like, he had his own creed about like, he doesn't gamble unless he has to. Yeah. I, yeah. I thought it was interesting because it was kind of a uh, damned if you do damned if you don't situation for the Mandalorian, because <laughs> if he did take the bet, he was going to, the guy, you know, he was going to shoot him anyway. He was yeah. going to make sure he won regardless. And so right. I was like, and so he, he just basically showed him his cards at that point. It's like, Oh, and then just shot him anyway. It's like, wow. I was like, Oh, that's interesting. I did feel like, as we had talked about it on the previous episode, um, I wish they hadn't have shown us the baby Yoda, uh, you know, oh. closing the hatch thing in the, in the teasers, because like, that was a really funny moment that I felt was like, Oh, I already know it's going to happen. Yeah. So I was like, 
but I would have got a good chuckle of that if I had not had seen it before. Yeah. I mean, it's, and I think what you and I both had, had kind of suspected that a lot of the stuff that we'd see in the trailer was going to be more from the first three episodes. Yeah. So, um, maybe, maybe some teasers for stuff that happens later, but, but I do feel that like we're, we're getting, getting kind of, you know, the bulk of it. Um, so another cool thing, um, the axes that they're using, um, I, I thought those were vibroblades and that we were seeing like that, that shock or that like, um, but I've also read other things that, that, um, the Mandalorian's knife that he uses was a vibroblade. Oh, so, but I thought the axes that the Gamarians were using were, were actual vibroblades because we've heard that term. It's been used a lot in like early star Wars canon, but basically like, all of the knives and spikes that you see on uh, Java's palace guards. And, you know, that's like, they're vibroblades. What does that mean? <laughs> you know, I guess it's just the fact that the, vi- the, the blade vibrates enough that it like penetrates or like helps, you know, the, 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 the cut happen like a lot deeper or a lot more like, so whether or not the axes were vibroblades or not, um, it was a really cool effect to show us something that was not a lightsaber, but still had some kind of cool sci-fi aspect, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, the, the action scene, um, basically he doesn't let that, uh, gore crush go. He tracks him down, strings him up, uh, gets his information. Yeah. And well, this is, this is, you know, the, you already knew it was going to happen when mm-hmm. he said, you know, I yeah. promise you won't die by my hand. I'm like, right, it's a right. setup, dude. Don't tell him anything. Don't <laughs> yeah. tell him anything. You know, it's like, you fell for it, dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh... No human can take off this mask. <laughs> right. I'm not a human. I'm a robot. Right. Sorry. Exactly. Just, it's, yeah. yeah. Like, so many times have we seen that same kind of thing where it's like, yeah, well, don't worry. It's not going to be, you know. Yeah. But hey, words. Star Wars is for everybody. And if that worked for some kid to understand, like, don't trust someone that says you won't die by my hands. Um, The one thing that was weird about this scene, um, I don't know if you looked this up either, because he says when he tells him that there's a Mando on Tatooine, you know, we'd already seen that. Like, he's like, Oh, I've been to Tatooine. There's no Mandalorian there. And he says, I swear it by the, the, the Gatra. Oh, Um, and that's, uh, which was, it's, I don't know if it was just a mistake in the writing or, Mm or if it, maybe they're going to use it for a, a new meaning or something. But the only thing we've ever seen from this, kind of like what you're saying, when you looked up the thing about the Mandalorian from the old comic books is that it's a droids, right group. <laughs> so oh, it doesn't huh. really make sense. Like, yeah. for, like I swear by a droids, right group. It's like, okay. Yeah. yeah. And you're not a droid. So yeah, yeah that's, huh. That's so interesting. The, that's, that's a, that's a good deep cut there, man. Well, okay. it's mentioned in the Tarkin novel. So oh, okay. Like, uh, so I was like, okay. It's like, so that doesn't make sense, but <laughs> okay. <laughs> And that's the only that's the only like true era I think in the in the episode where it's like oh did they mean to do that you know mm-hmm. um yeah I mean obviously like he mentions this this Mandalorian on on Tatooine and at this point I'm thinking does he know that he's dead you know like like how does he know that that Boba Fett's still alive you know and, and that's well, what I'm immediately thinking of he might not know it's Boba Fett but like what I gathered you know from when they first are sitting down and talking is that he. He's not interested. You know, he just he's trying to locate Mandalorians just yeah. to get the armor, and that's it. So he might have heard, mm, you know, mm-hmm. 
yep. that there was a Mandalorian there, or maybe he had, or maybe you're right. Maybe it went back all the way to Boba Fett and it was like, Oh, I knew this guy. He helped me do some jobs or something, you know? Yeah. He was, he was no, a bounty like, hunter. You know? Yeah. I like, I like your thought though, too, that, 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 you know, if he's looking for best car, you know, he might, yeah. might have gotten a rumor that there's, there's, especially cause you get this, this red key, uh, mining guild that, that takes over that city. Mm-hmm. You know, you could you could have one of them that escaped um, that, that runs off, you know, and joins some other crime syndicate, you know. And Absolutely. So, yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah, Gorkresh dies, cut to Mandalorian's show title, and we get the chapter title, The Marshal, which basically should have told us that Timothy Oliphant was going to be in this episode, right? Because he's a U.S. Marshal. Talk about typecasting. You know, like, <laughs> How many times has he been a marshal or a sheriff? Like now, it's like four <laughs> different roles. You know, I mean, he, he does it. He does it good. But you know. I, it, it it worked. And and we we are jumping the gun though, uh, getting to that point. But uh, it doesn't matter. We're all over the place. Uh, Mando goes to Tatooine, so we get that return to to Tatooine right at the beginning of, of uh, this. And uh, and uh, Pelly, um, we get her again, right? Um, yeah. What are, the so odds which, which, him, what are the odds of him landing in the same hangar bay? But you know, <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. I mean, they have a spaceport. They could have, but he could have requested it. True. You know, now that he knows that you know who she is and he can trust her with Baby Yoda. Um, so uh, I like that um, we get her again. I I, I always kind of thought she would appear again in season one, um, mm-hmm. and uh, so the fact that she's right here at the beginning of season two makes sense, um, and it shows. You know, this episode, as we as we get into it, you know, it shows the character changes that he's gone through. Mm-hmm. The fact that he's, you know, he's okay with droids now, and that makes for a very kind of funny throwaway line mm-hmm. from from Pelly. But I I liked what she said about um, if this thing ever divides or buds, right? <laughs> you know, which I thought was really uh, hilarious, and maybe maybe a clue as to how they do it's true like, we don't know yeah we we have i mean that could that could be like a you know i don't know i mean we yeah we don't know i mean they're green so you know <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of things i noticed about you know in this scene like uh the first one is that you see her when she's landing she's working on what looks to be like a pod racer engine but it oh. never zooms out enough to where you can see the full thing Okay, but but it looks like Sobolba's engine. From oh, that's Bo interesting. One. It looks yeah. like exactly like that kind of engine. I was like, oh, that's hmm. pretty cool. I mean, there's a lot of there's a, like what we said. There's a lot of little Easter eggs in this episode, and yeah. even in this just this hangar bay scene, we see a couple of them. Um, yeah, and, and references to episode one mm-hmm. and episode four. Yeah, you know, both beginnings of, of two trilogies. So, yeah, um, yeah. Go ahead. So like, yeah, and there's a lot of interesting things like um, that. I was just because I've watched this episode three times and like her, it's the only time that you can really see a lineage of what's going to go to eventually be the sequel trilogy. And that she, when she, when he pulls out baby Yoda, she says, thank the force. And she says it in such a way that's like, you know, like just like CT Bruce saying, you know, thank the maker, you know, like, you know, it's like, it's almost like they're legendary now. Like they don't, they just say it out of habit, but not true believers in it. And this is kind of reinforced, you know, prior um, by the Mandalorian saying, like, his kind knows how to move things with his mind, but they don't refer to it as the force, even though they say the word force. Like, they don't, they They don't don't, make the connection. Yeah. They don't make the connection. Yeah. 
I mean, they always say, you know, uh, religion is one generation away from extinction. Right. Right. And so, you know, you, you have this removal of, of knowledge or, you know, and people are, are broken apart by, by space and planets. And, you know, so, yeah. Um, so, no, do you have any more? Well, I was going to make a little bit of a dirty joke, but oh, I know we're kind of, we're nowhere kind of PG, but like, oh. uh, <laughs> cause she goes like, you know, she volunteers to babysit baby Yoda. Why he goes, oh, yeah. I know goes, what you're talking about. Yeah. She volunteers to go. She's like, baby, I've seen them all shapes and sizes. And I'm going like, Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's a testament as to how Amy Sedaris delivers that line. Yeah, exactly. You know, another person would have delivered that line in a different manner that might not have alluded to the fact that you know she's been around. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what so, I, you know. Yeah, I, I, I picked up on that too, and and it's subtle enough that I think younger ones are just like, you know what? Oh, okay. absolutely. Yeah, but it but it works for for um, um, getting but, that point across. Yeah, my favorite probably. Um, part of this uh, episode though is we see R5 and yeah. he still has it, it. I like how they, they make the same joke that's, but it's a different way of making the joke and that he's, he's so slow. So you're saying he has motivation problems. Like, you know, it's like, I was like, that's a really clever way of, of saying yeah. like he has a bad motivator. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you, you see the burnt little, you do. You know, I mean, that's, that's some, that's some very knowledgeable uh, in, in world building there. I, I also, you know, wrote down here in my notes, Nick wanted a map and we got one, <laughs> except it wasn't of the galaxy. Like you wanted oh. a map of the galaxy to see like what parts were controlled by who. And, and stuff. yeah, that's true. Yeah. But we do get a map of Tatooine, which is pretty cool. Just pretty um, neat. Yeah. It was a very basic topology, but like, you know, she's like, Oh, like here's these two cities and here's one over here. And you're like, Are you saying that Tatooine only has three cities? <laughs> like, <laughs> Well, I mean, they definitely like only showed parts of it. Mm-hmm. So I feel like we didn't get the full globe. Um, so I, you know, I don't know which, which part, um, that, uh, you know, the, the Atreides are, are living on, but, you know, it's like there, there's clearly some references to Dune that happened later in this episode. Well, that's so, the, or Tremors, however you want to look at it, you yeah. know. Um, so yeah, yeah, we get Artifact D4, um, and then we learn about Mos Pelgo, which was an old mining co- colony. Um, uh, this this was also was mentioned in, well, we were saying earlier. This is mentioned in uh, the book Aftermath. Aftermath, yes. This this town. Um, and so, I've read Aftermath trilogy. I read it when it came out, like each book. Um, and the only thing that I I can say, because I feel really bad for not remembering uh, this, is that when we learn Cobb Vance's name. Um, Cobb, Cobb Vanth. When we learned his name, I was like, I know that name. <laughs> like, like it was like an immediate, like, I know that and I don't know where, but I knew that it was someone that had been in the Star Wars universe. And, uh, and that just goes to the testament of like this world building, you know, like the, the further pulling out a character that's, that's in, in, in a book that's, that's already part of canon. Um, so I, I apologize to listeners. I, I can't tell you exactly what happens to his character in in the trilogy sadly we're missing chris who has more recently um you know read the book so um and the uh yeah so i, I just i apologize it's been probably what i don't know five years since since i've i've you know it's funny how like when you go through something like that and you're you, you think you have the whole story and you're like 
oh, wow, I did read that, but I don't remember. It's just you feel bad. Like, where did it go? Yeah, I mean, I think it's also, too, like, when you do read books, um, you know, uh, we've, we've actually talked about this off air, but, you know, it's like mm-hmm. there's there's certain moments that I think, like, kind of resonate or stick with you more, you know, oh, or yeah. stand out more. I mean, there's there's a scene that, that happens in um, the second book, um, and so minor spoilers for those books, but the second book has more Han Solo in it. And when he appears, you know, it's like a really cool moment. And I, and it's like, it stands out to my mind in my mind. I'm like, Oh yeah, I remember when that happens or there's a whole aspect that, that happens on Kashyyyk. And, and I was really, I actually enjoyed the second book life debt probably mm-hmm. more than the other two, mm-hmm. just because it had more Han and Chew- Chewy, you know? And yeah. it's like, I mean, that's always, that's always my jam. I mean, not not to get too far off of of the episode, but the same thing. Like, I love the opening of Aftermath because you have the uh, Wedge Antilles little part there. And then, like, then you kind of go into this other stuff. I'm like, okay, now you're losing me. (laughs) You know, because it's like you you want the the familiar characters or someone you can at least visualize in your head, like what's going on. Oh, yeah, for sure. And and I mean, there's there's some other fun aspects to the book. Of course, like Mr. Bones is a, is a really cool character that is introduced, which is an old um, battle droid, uh, B1 battle droid. Um, so, um, all right. So, what were you going to say? I was just going to go where you were going. So we get the uh, we get the speeder bike. I'm going to the speeder bike in the in what I already mentioned. Maybe the most memeable moment <laughs> is Baby Yoda as as he's as he's flying. Um, we, we see them stop and talk with some Tuscans mm-hmm. and, uh, we actually even see a better womp rat. Yeah. Like we a, see lots of womp rats, yeah. like, uh, which I was, you know, I was happy. I wondered if people understood what they were, you know, cause like we, we hadn't really, we've seen them scurry, but we never actually seen them in detail. Like this. there's actually a couple things I liked about this episode. Like we actually got to see a really good facial shot of the Banthas, you know, which we don't yes. normally see. And I was like, Oh, that's really cool. You can actually see their eyes and their, in their teeth and their, their face. And we, you know? we see a new use for the gaffy stick. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. It's actually cleaning the teeth of the Bantha, which shows a couple things like, you know, a, a universal tool that they probably use for a lot of different things, but that they're taking care of their animals, that they right. are, you know, and I think that they've, you know, both this episode and the uh, the other Tatooine episode, they've really set up the Tuscan Raiders as uh, stand-in for Native Americans. Yeah, I, you actually, I have that written down, like, on the next page here about, like, how this one really, I mean, I know that Lucas had never really said it, but that's always what it they were meant to be. Like, they were, it's a space western. They were the Native Americans. You know, everyone else is more of the cowboys, you know. And uh, this episode really hammers it in many situations of, like, wow, they are mm-hmm. the Native Americans of this planet. Like, it's, it's, uh, but we can get to that in a second. But, um, sure. Yeah. Um, it was so, one of the things that always bothered me. Like, I think I mentioned it last season, too, is like we never have learned how the Mandalorian learns how to speak the sand people's mm-hmm. language. It's one of the things that kind of just irks me a little bit is like because we've never heard anyone else speak it. So yeah. we're like, well, how does he know how to speak it? I, that did. I did wonder about that as well. And I we also get an illusion at some point uh, from from Mando earlier in the episode where he says, I've spent a lot of time on Tatooine and I've never, and I'm like, wait, you've only spent this much time. Is there another time before that in which he has actually been on Tatooine? Mm -hmm. Like in the past, is there, is there some other time that he spent on Tatooine? Right. We might see it. You you never know. uh, It could be an interesting cross connection with Kenobi. True. But yeah. 
I mean, he could be a child, basically. Right, he would be. Well, he would be on Tatooine, and mm-hmm. that would be an interesting way that he would actually learn Tuscan. Because mm-hmm. you're right. How does he know Tuscan? Much in the same way that it's like, how do I know that there's a commercial break coming up? So it's like, I just feel the force. So, um, <laughs> now that we're back from that commercial break, though, um, yeah. uh, you know, I, I, the, like, so we saw the womp rats and then we see immediately things that we're really familiar with. We see, you know, moisture evaporators and the, the, the very stereotypical dome top buildings. Oh yeah. Of, As, uh, rolling into most Pelgo, most like, Pelgo. Yeah. like BA. He's and just I, like slow roll. Slow. Roll. I love I, this though. Cause like to me, of all the stereotypical Western scenes and Western movies, this is it. The yeah. slow, even though he's on a speeder bike, it's the, you know, the slow horse into town, the one mm-hmm. lane town with every single town folk on their porch, just looking at him. You know, the only thing I didn't see was someone with a big thing of chewing tobacco in just spit <laughs> on the ground as he walks by. That would have made it perfect of like the typical Western, you know, but it was, it was just there. And then what's he do? He stops right at the cantina. You know, he doesn't really, tie up his horse but but he gets there and then walks right in and you're like wow that was a dead on western intro now, now did you see uh uh darth maul uh sam sam whitmore i he, did not he makes a cameo he is one of the town folk that is as he's doing the slow roll he is actually walking by um so yeah sam sam whitmore voice of darth maul and clone wars and and rebels uh, makes a little cameo there um, so yeah, no, I, I liked that moment too. Um, it, uh, it also kind of makes sense in the set, the fact that like, you know, they talk about like the crate dragon sensing vibrations mm-hmm. and though he doesn't know that the crate dragon is going to be part of the storyline, but the fact that he does like a slow roll into town doesn't set off any like major vibrations that there's a, you know, large vehicle. I don't know. I don't take it what you will. He pulls into that cantina though. And unlike the cantina in a new hope, it's basically just one person, yeah, which one is person. the weak way. Yeah. Um, the, the weak way. And like, do you know who plays the weak way? I have it written down, but go ahead and tell me. <laughs> is W Earl Brown, who is actually a actor that played alongside um, the Marshal. Um, I'm forgetting his name right now. Uh, Timothy Timothy Oliphant. Timothy Oliphant yeah. yeah. Uh, who played with him in Deadwood? He yeah. was the, uh, the you know the right hand man of uh. It and it's cool that they like not only did they put him in that that you know for that character, but we also see in the backstory that they're buds. He saved yeah. his life. You yeah. know, so I I liked that that they actually had a bit of a connection there too. Mm-hmm. And I love the line like you know, um, where, you know, he's, he's asking the weak way. Um, <laughs> he says something like, he looks like me. Yeah. He looks like me. Yeah. It's like, he looks like, like you could say, like, you, you can see the, the wheels turning too. Cause it's like, when mm-hmm. I was like, what's he look like? He looks like me. And you're like, <laughs> and you kind of like for a moment there, you kind of wanted to go like, is he thinking like, well, you're wearing armor. So I can't really see what you look like. Or they mm-hmm. go, Oh, do you mean the marshal? Like, right. okay. Yeah. I fully expect him to go either way with that. Cause that's probably what my head would have been like, well, I can't see what you look like. Cause you're covered up. You know, but. And, and as the marshal walks in um, and I pat myself on the back. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because I said, you know, somebody wearing Boba Fett's armor that star Wars fans would immediately be like, 
that's, that's not, not Boba Fett. That's yeah. not Boba Fett. And if you look at the concept art for the episode, they actually like have the full B- Boba Fett. Like they just use the stand-in like full outfit. Like it wasn't like, oh, we're gonna give the red scarf here. We're gonna and um, you know, I was I was talking with my my brother because he's a he's a big Boba Fett fan. And um, you know, for the first entire first season. I was just like, come on, man. Like you got it. This is your jam, man. This is the Mandalorian. Like you. And I think he was just a little worried that they were just going to mess it up. Right. They were going to mess up something that he loved. Mm-hmm. And, um, and why not? Because Star Wars can do that to us sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so he binged season one all the way straight through once, once the season, the full season was out, he, he binged it and, and loved it. Uh, but then when this episode aired, you know, he was kind of doing the same thing where he's like, eh, I'll just wait. And, and I, after watching it, I just all cap lock texting him like, you have to watch it now. <laughs> because I was like, no, you're going to get spoiled on this. And this is, this is what you've been waiting for, dude. Like, like, uh, you know, seeing, seeing the, the end result, um, even just seeing the Boba Fett armor again would have been worth the ticket. Yeah. I mean, it was one of those moments where, I mean, I knew it was Boba Fett's armor immediately. As soon as I saw it, I was like, that's not Boba Fett. Cause you can see he's so slender and the, ar- and the armor's too small for him. And you're just like, what the heck is this? Like, yeah. Yeah. But it was kind of really, cause like I said in the last episode, I didn't really want to see something like that where like just Boba Fett wanders in. Like I, I liked the way they approached this and that it kind of, not to get ahead in the episode, but it, it does, it kind of, confirms the old stuff that like is Boba Fett dead is he not Boba Fett I mean is it did they just find his armor like how did they get the armor like all these things so you you have a little bit of a mystery there of like what's going to go on and if you'd had if you didn't have any if you were still suspicious of it it's you know as soon as he pulls the helmet off you see the dent in the helmet mm-hmm. you're like now you know immediately exactly oh yeah no the dented art the dented helmet and I think I think you know the episode does a great job of setting up things that we can fill in the gaps for mm-hmm. the chow has found that armor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know I mean? Like, like once we get the story from him, it's like, we can, we can fill in the blanks. We don't have to like have it completely spelled out, but we also, we also need a little bit of, we, we need a little bit of, you know, breadcrumbs just leading us there, but it doesn't have to be hammered over the head. Like, Oh, dummies. <laughs> Jawa, you know, it's like now we're gonna go into the backstory of the Jawas and how they found it in a in a you know a dead Sarlacc pit that's been eaten, right? You know, like all of those things can line up if you want them. Um, so anyway, uh, they they're about to have this shootout because basically, um, you know, and and I like this this whole interaction. I mean, very classic Western, and I'm like, this, right yeah. from the start, we're gonna get a shootout. Well, first I want to say, like, one of the first things he does, though, before they get to that, is they, they, he orders a spotchka, yes. which I thought was a nice little reference to season one of, like, hey, here's this blue liquid that, you know, we were protecting in episode three or four. Four. Yeah. Sure. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Four. And it's like, oh, that's a nice little, you know, throwback, you know, which doesn't, once again, doesn't beat you over the head. You either get it or you don't. It's like, yeah. oh, like, here it is. Like, we're drinking spotchka. Um, but yeah, like this, you're right. This is a straight out of, well, first, he takes the helmet off and you yeah. you immediately see like the, the, the pause and Mando like, mm-hmm. Oh, something's not right here. You know, which I did, I did, I get, and I don't get because, you know, as we've seen with Sabine, Sabine takes yes. her helmet off all the time. So I wonder what, maybe Mando really doesn't know anything besides death watch, you know, and right. like, 
And so, like, how is it when he actually does meet a, a proper Mandalorian and they take the helmet off? How is he going to react to this? You know? Yeah, I mean, I would, I would like a little bit more of that. You know, I mean, I, again, don't have to beat me over the head of explaining what, why, what, or why. You know, he's a religious fanatic about the helmet. Yeah. Um. You know, but um. But yes, uh, the the helmet comes off and and uh, the guns are about to to come out. Yeah. And this is like what you said. It, it, this is actually straight from the good, the bad, and the ugly. I mean, right even down to the hand quiver. It's like, you know, like we're going to have until we get interrupted. But yeah, everything yeah. to this point of the standoff and like, you know, this is my town, you know, stand up, all this. This is straight out of that scene, Western. It's great. Um, the little baby Yoda thrown in there just for cute sake. I didn't yeah. think it was cute. He's over hiding behind the spittoon. Uh-huh. You know, like, are we going to do this in front of the kid? In front of the kid? second time we've we've had people kind of mention the kid or the child like being involved or around this so you know i i you know i'm thinking also big picture for the season like is this going to be is this going to become a plot point that like ends up biting him in the you know the rear as far as like the fact that you know baby yoda is put in jeopardy or or he's he he, you know Mm he's taken away or, or maybe he, he kind of lets his guard. I don't know. I, who knows? I mean, it, it could, it could be a very good plot point, but it could also, cause I'm always thinking of uh, the wolf and the cub, which is yes. what a lot of this is drawn from. And a lot of those, um, there's definitely a couple of stories. I know in book one where he did, uses that to his advantage where people don't see him as a threat because he has a child. And like in the wolf and the cub, the, uh, the, uh, what do they call him? Stroller, the stroller that he pushes the kid around and is completely. I, yeah, I really wish that I knew the Japanese word. <laughs> yeah, well, like what he's what he, you know the entire underneath is uh, lead lined, you know, so like he just flips it over and then they you know and then he can use it as protection. So it's like I can mm-hmm. easily see the egg being the same way. Yeah. It's like something could happen where he he's prepared for any situation like that, you know. But yeah, you don't want anything to happen to baby baby go at the same time. Yeah, we we didn't talk about this early on, but um, where did he get the second floating bassinet? Because the right. first one was was destroyed um, in the uh, the shootout, I believe. Um, maybe maybe he repurposed that one. Well, but if you look at, I don't remember the controls being on the front. Right. Um, okay. If you but if you look at that, well, I think it is in that opening scene. It's really damaged. Yeah. Um, like the paint's all scratched up on it. There's things hanging off of it. So it's definitely has seen better days. Yeah. So maybe he just um, found another one. You know, yeah. Like, I mean, I don't need to see uh, Mando go into, you know, maybe <laughs> yeah. there, there we go. Um, okay. So Cobb Vanth, um, we learned that the, his, that's who he is. Um, and uh, I wanted to just note that, that uh, the chest armor isn't lit up in the scene, but it's, it's not lit up it's in lit one. Up. Yeah. Yeah. So it's weird. It's like, I, I don't know why it's not lit up. And then later on it's lit up and I, it's just kind of interesting. That little, pocket. I noticed that too. The pocket is lit up only in the scene where they're in the bar, explain to the townspeople. Then it's off again when they're out in the yeah. desert again, but it's just like the same way in like um, a new hope with, with Vader's buttons. Like sometimes they're on, sometimes they're not. You're like, why are Vader's lights not on? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess maybe they only like pop up when they have to like, uh, you know, do a software update. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like updating the software. It's like looking for a Wi-Fi signal. Maybe that's what it is. It's like it is. searching, yeah. searching. So yeah, because he's in the bar, they have Wi-Fi there. So it's it's that's what it's showing. It's showing the signal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You've got reception now. Yeah, exactly. Um, so uh, yeah, um, 
they basically are interrupted by the sandworm uh, or the tremor, whichever you know sci-fi mm -hmm. reference. You know, you know, I'm a big Dune fan. If you don't know, so you know, I I liked it because I was like, oh, you got your Dune and my Star Wars. I'm cool with that. You know, <laughs> this is going to be Arrakis in a couple hundred millennia or something. Um, so the sandworm breaks it up, and basically Vanth is kind of like, hey, you know, let's make a deal. You know, and uh, the next thing we see them is they're they're basically flying off to ride to see the great dragon. Oh, did I miss something? Well, no, like I, I wanted to say a couple things. Yeah. One, my nitpick about this was like, you know, he comes right down Main Street. So wouldn't mm -hmm. there be like a tunnel now underneath Main Street? It would completely collapse after he left. It's like, but next time you see the town, the street's completely solid, and you're like. You mean you mean the the sandworm that runs through it, right? Because like you know he's he's naturally boring a hole yeah. underneath the street. So like that's just logic me logically thinking like wouldn't the, wouldn't it collapse though after he left or because you mm. know there is going to be a hole underneath the main street now because he went through there. Maybe we don't we never see the backside mm -hmm. of the crate dragon. Maybe it, the back fills it back in. It fills it back in. It's just like it's like little legs that just kind of flip it back into place. You know, it's ah, like okay. A, yeah, yeah, but that, that that explains though, like why, like when you see him eat so much, like all the sand he's ingesting, why he has pearls inside of him, like exactly, a, like, a, like an oyster, you know. Exactly. No, that is that is that is exactly right. And you know, who knows if the people that made up the the, the crate dragon pearl even thought of that, right. uh, you know, when when they came up with that idea, but uh, but it but it totally works now. But I wanted to. I, I didn't want you to skip over this too much because it. So we hear the sound it makes as it's coming into town. Yes, yes. And it's and the old sound. It's, it's the old the original. Sound. It's yeah. not the, which, which is cool because it's like, it's like a little hook right. into the original version. So the despecialized um, yeah. version of the new hope. So yes, that is the so, noise that, that Obi-Wan Kenobi Obi makes. makes. So yeah. So everyone is out there listening, you know, the scene where, you know, Luke's been knocked out by the sand people and, and you see, uh, Obi Wan approaching, and he makes the you know, sound like that's the the sound that Obi Wan was making is to create dragon sound to fear to scare off the drag. I mean the Zan people. So it's just one of those nice little plot hole fixes in a way. They're like, oh, that's what he's doing. Because like, I, I know me, like I was like, why did he make that sound? It doesn't make sense. Like you know. And, and I think in the the updated specialized version, they tried to make it seem more apparent as to like you know, but. It to me, it always sounded like a car alarm going off, especially yeah. the new version. The, the new, new version, version yeah. definitely has that more, you know. And you're like, you know, is Luke's land speeder alarm going off? Like, what's, <laughs> you know, people are raiding it, so yeah, sure. I mean, he's probably got a sweet sound system, so he doesn't want to get that stolen. Um, so yeah, no, I, I like that callback as well. I mean, again, this is all stuff that's already in the world, mm -hmm. you know. Just, they're just pulling it together, yeah. Um, including Anakin's pod. Yes, um, I thought Which, that was neat because you see, yeah, you see Mando on the regular speeder bike, and all of a sudden you see another pod, uh, a pod racer engine, yeah, pulling up, and you're like, oh, it didn't have the three towns; it only had two. That's right, and it's but, a different color. It's not yeah. the yellow; it's more of an orange color. But right, hey, well, that happened so long ago. Who knows if that's going to Purpose respray, re, respray painted. Do they even have spray paint? <laughs> right. Yeah, no. I no. mean, it could be rust now. You know, they're like oh, that. That that paint's not going to hold. It doesn't. 
attached to metal. You need a specialized, you know, kind of type of paint. Um, so uh, we see them ride off, right? And um, you know, all of a sudden, and this is this is this is my first Nick pick. This was the first part where I'm watching it that I was actually kind of taken out of the mm. show, mm. and and mainly because, again, I I know Star Wars. Those pod racers are loud. Right. I don't know motorcycles because they drive up my street all the time. There's no way you're having a heartfelt conversation on a on the- <laughs> treasure, right? So after I'm trying to connect with you. Um, this is my. I know it's minor. I love the flashback. I love the story. It, like, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong. Like this i like all things but if i had to take a point off of the episode it's like you could have just had that little heartfelt conversation right after you took off on speeders like like just you don't have to have the conversation as you're riding on motorcycles you could you could just have it right there when you said hey maybe we can cut a deal you know after the empire fell yeah that's true you know i mean you could just go right into that story and then ride off on the speeders and and understand like why all of a sudden Mandalore, the the Mandalorian is deciding like, yeah, I'm going to help you. You know what I mean? Like, like why is he deciding to help him? He could just shoot him dead right there and take the, and go, you know? Um, I think this goes to the other aspect of um, Din Djarin's character growth. And this, you know, we, I don't know how much time has passed between episode and excuse me, chapter eight and chapter nine. But one thing that he's learned is entire season one, he's like, I'm going to go it on my own. Mm. You know, he's like total white snake. You know, <laughs> here I go again on my own. He, and seriously, like, like, I mean, every time he, he could have gotten help, he's like, no, I got this. You know, like, unless it's Cara Dune. It, until the end of the season, he actually rallies the troops together. And then, you know, he tries to, to you know, like get himself out of a, uh, out of a jam. But here, not only do we see that he respects human life now, where he's not just going to shoot this guy dead, he recognizes that he has good character and he's going to help him out. That was the the one issue I had, you know, in the scene earlier, and that he doesn't even really allow him to talk. It's just like, take it off, you know, like, give right. it to me. And I, I kind of felt that, I mean, I understood why, but it was like, it kind of felt a little... What you're saying, like out of character for Mando at this point, I could have easily seen it in season one. But I think there's like- still a religious fanatic about himself, you know, not taking off the helmet, disrespecting mm-hmm. like that's my culture or whatever, you know, even though he's not born on Mandalore. Come on, right. Mandalorian's Mandalore. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think just because me, I'm just such a reason person. I'm like, hey, like, did you want to hear my story first? And then I'll take it off. Like, you know, buy me dinner before I take my clothes off, baby. You know, like, you're whatever. You know? Well, and I guess that's just where I, I feel like that little bit of the story beat of, like, t- getting the backstory would have mm-hmm. been cool if they just, you know, it doesn't have to be on the bikes. You know, hey, you have the wind blowing and Timothy Oliphant's very, very sexy, you know, great peppered hair, you know, salt and pepper hair. Like, mm-hmm. the dude looks good. Okay, so, you know, let's. He's a good looking man. You know, uh, it's, it's hard to compete. So, but anyway, that's, that's my, my biggest, big, biggest nitpick there. They, they go off to basically find where the crate dragon lives. Um, and they run into, um, 
about? We got we got more stuff to talk about here. Oh, yeah. Go, go, go. yeah. Okay, so in the in the back in the story though, like there's the things that I wrote down that I thought were interesting about it because he talks about the power vacuum of when the empire. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, you know, I forgot. I totally like I was skipping over the the backstory, the story. which is like, so cool. Yeah, so like we've already mentioned, like the you know, first you're seeing the uh, the Death Star two explode via the hollow net, and uh, you know, and then all of a sudden the mining collective. Or the red, what the uh, red key, I think. red is key, it? yeah, the is red, key. What, the, the, the red something, red key, red Cree raiders, which is what they were called in the aftermath book. Um, so I can't think, kind of merged or just changed it a little bit. The name come in and basically, I thought this was interesting. He basically says that most uh, Pelgo became a slave camp overnight. Mm-hmm. And it's just the fact that he called it a slave camp really made me think about like, oh, because we already know slavery existed on Tatooine before the Empire and they mm-hmm. were during the Republic. And what we can gather is during the Empire with the Imperial presence there, that slavery at least was very minor because you definitely saw it in Jabba's palace a little bit. Yeah. But it's like, oh, but maybe everyone else was not. You know, that was kind of done away with. So I thought that was interesting. So like does slavery now once again, is it on Tatooine again? We don't mm-hmm. know. Like, I think that's something interesting. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the like it, it definitely like plays out like the whole power vacuum and the fact that like, you know, the emperor, the empire is gone and, you know, we can, we can, you know, for all of its badness, it's like it did hold down law and order. Mm-hmm. You know, and you you have that removed, and and what what is a lawless universe look like? You mm-hmm. know, um, so and and clearly Tatooine is, is such a small pl- planet that they they have no governance, right? You know, just like the huts. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just yeah, that's it. Like, um, so <clears throat> I guess the huts retire there, like Florida, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's like or Arizona. <laughs> So, oh, and then now this oh, we, is some, this is something I noticed also when he's fleeing the cantina, you know, and everyone's getting shot. He dives behind this speeder, and if you look on the speeder, mm-hmm. there's a really crude drawing of Boba Fett on the oh, speeder. Really? Huh? Yeah, it's just it. it's just the, the helmet, but it huh. is the boat. And so I'm like, so I don't know why they chose to do that. Yeah, it's like yeah. your connection to Boba Fett, or like. Is it like one of those like Crimson Dawn type things or, or you know, mm. where like maybe it was running the crime syndicate on the planet? Uh, I mean, who knows? Uh, that's someone right. could get a little bit backstory on. I don't know. I mean, it could just be just some random thing they threw in there. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Uh, and then, of course, he grabs the uh, the Cam Tono. Is that right? Yep. right? Yeah. The that's ice right. cream maker back. <laughs> so, yeah. To get that in every season. Yeah. So. I, I, I love that they do that because I mean that was such a running joke for so long at mm-hmm. Comic Con, like people walking around with those ice cream makers, and like you either got it or you didn't, you know. <laughs> so like yep. now they have a purpose, uh, and it was filled with a sil- silly cacks, silica. Sil- I never say sil- silica. I, I know. I was like, I wrote it down even too, but it's like yeah, silicax crystals or whatever. So if you crush them up and snort it, <laughs> man. Oh it's- wow. Yeah. <laughs> And then this it is, is better was, than Suka. <laughs> now, this is what I was saying to you before we hit record. There's an idiom that um, that he says that Cobb says, you know, on this uh, when he talks about finding these crystals. He says, "I guess every once in a while, both suns shine on a womp rat's tail." 
And oh yeah. This is such a southern. I'm remember out there. I'm from the south. Uh, this is such a southern retelling of this because like it's a common expression of what we say a, a sun shines on a dog's ass some days which just means you had good luck you know yeah and so i was like wow like who wrote that line i was like because i'd never really heard someone say that and I, even I, i've said it a few times here people look at me like what are you what what are you talking about you know I'm like, <laughs> oh, it's just something we say you know but I, I just thought that was an interesting line that he gave i was like oh okay but i guess it's just to show like how kind of in the middle of nowhere Tatooine they are like all these well and he, he's never left Tatooine he's always lived there yeah so um real quick I'm just going to actually pause this oh, so okay. I'm going to mark it at 5601 and I have to take a bathroom break I apologize sure. I'll be here no worries so you were saying about the the idiom though and and uh, just this like kind of colloquialism um that that Cobb Vanth has and uh you know you know because he's lived on this planet for so long you know and he's you know he clearly has some animosity to the Tuscan Raiders. Oh yeah, I mean if you want to get there uh well am I mean, jumping am yeah, I well, jumping well, over well, another thing. <laughs> Oh, oh! So I jumped wait. over. I jumped over the the Jawa part. The You're fact that he the like, Jawa part. yeah, yeah that's sorry. Um, I keep wanting to get to this this scene where where right. the, the Tuscans are, are talking to him. But um, okay, so the the Jawa scene, which which I kind of alluded to though, is the fact that the Jawas clearly picked up uh, Boba Fett's armor somewhere in the in the desert along the way. Um, mm -hmm. I love the the fact that they they troll out all of their wares and that turquoise R two unit that that was a pretty cool it's pretty cool yeah yeah I mean that's that's no R four or R five D four right there that's that's some well, they did say it was their best stuff you know you mm -hmm. had, a good, had a gun and the they had the art the astromech droid and then he just kind of points over I want the armor which I don't blame him because if it's true best car then it would be worth quite a bit. So, it, you know, this uh, one thing that I, I noticed or I was looking at um, as I was rewatching this scene, because this was the other point of contention that you and I were kind of like, um, there's no rocket actually in the jetpack in that scene when it's yeah. in, the, in the, the Jawa. It's like uh, in the, the crawler, the sand crawler there. Um, by the way, I love the shot of the, 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 the dark shadow coming over him. Cause you think something's going to be flying over top of him, right. but it's, but it's really just the sand crawler. But I love that, that imagery and how we're just so used to space ships and it's, it's mm -hmm. this crawler. So, and just that image of the small human man, you know, in front of the giant tank, you know? So, um, anyway, um, so he, he gets this armor, goes back to town and basically scares the thugs away uh with a rocket that we don't know where it comes from right i mean i i loved well i didn't love it but i i, I thought it was interesting because it was another western scene like bartender get out of here you know and then oh yeah yeah like, like like a little shoot nod yeah then shoots everybody in there and then i liked that it was a, a really nice use of boba fett's equipment that we've only seen in like video games or read yes, about exactly because we actually see you know the, the helmet uh, visor come down automatically. We see through the lens of what it would be like to watch it, you know, to him target it, you know, and then fire the rocket. Cause you know, the rocket has never been fired before other than like a video game or just in the toy that originally, well, supposedly came out. Yeah. Yeah. But everybody wanted to fire. Yeah. So, uh, you know, yeah, no, like seeing that. <laughs> so awesome. It was great. Yeah. But this is, so for everyone out there, this was uh, just messaging back and forth between Matt and I, we kept kind of going like, 
well, where did he get the rocket? You know, like, where did he get the second rocket? Where did he get the second rocket? I was like, you know, I was like, it's not like he can just go buy it at the local armory, Tashi you know? Station. Yeah, Tashi Station. I was like, this is an outdated Mandalorian pack. I was like, you know, he just, like, what the heck? You know, like, but that's just me really nitpicking. Like, oh, yeah, no, I, I imagine that he, you know, because we've all been there. We, you go to the hardware store and you get a part and you bring it back home and you're like, no, that's not the right one. I got to go back. And they're like, sorry, that's a special order item. It's going to take us like about two weeks to get that in. Yeah. Okay. The, the current rockets are made in the metric system. This is in the old imperial system. You know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. Like, oh, your model's kind of out of date right now. Um, all we have is this. Not sure it's going to work. You might have to remodify something. For whatever reason, he uses Amazon Prime and he gets some more one rockets. day one day delivery. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's awesome. I don't care how he got the rockets. It's cool. It's so <laughs> awesome that we got to see it. And basically he wins the hearts and minds of the town in that moment. So. All right. So now we're at your scene, Matt, take yes. it away. Finally. Okay. We get to the key. Like they go off to like meet some Tuscan Raiders and we get this moment um, where they're sitting around the campfire. And again, a little bit more growth from the Mandalorian. The fact that he's being the peacekeeper. You know, I like I like that he's he's the one that's it's like, hey, if, if you guys can't, you know, work together on this, um, you know, because they're they're clearly going to fight. I mean, like like yeah. it, it it reminded me of um, actually chapter two when he was just blowing up Jawas and like they're right. the Jawas and him are going to fight fight it out. And it's Quill. It's like, look, do you want your stuff back or not? Like you got to talk to them. You know, it's like, do you want this situation? solved you're gonna have to talk it out you know and, and work through this so kind of like what you were saying earlier this scene as well as like another one just a few seconds like this is what really nailed or drove through that you know they're the native americans they're the indians in this story because we're sitting around the campfire instead of having like a peace pipe which would be stereotypical they have yeah. this this black drink thing that they open up you know and it looks like a spore it does look like a spore i was like oh my god like is he like gonna get infected with like an alien or something <laughs> Uh, but you know, it, and it, it is, it's very stereotypical in that like, do I have to drink this? He's like, if you want them to help you, yes. And so like, that would be something also in a typical Western, you know, yeah. but he doesn't drink it. He ends up, you know, insulting them and then throws it. They get all pissed. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it's one of those typical situations again, where it's like the one guy who's had a relationship with both sides, you know, is the peacemaker. Yeah. And then we see this also, once again, like this very typical, like, when they explain to the builders, you know, they're savages. We don't want to mess with them. And then when the, later with the dynamite or the explosives, you know, one drops it. It's like, you know, whoa, what are you doing? It's like, you know, like they're always looking at them as being beneath them, you know? Yeah. And even at the very end, just because I'm trying to stay on the same tone. No, 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 like, that's fine. Yeah. Native Americans, you see that, like, you know, they say, like, oh, we'll have a peace with you until you break it. You know, so yeah. it's very much like one of those, like, the white man is always, you know, not saying that they're white people, but right, like, that's right. like, you know, Western is like the white man's always going to break your word. We're not going to break our word. You will break it. Well, I mean, and, we can only assume that the Tuscans have always lived on Tatooine and that everyone else is a foreigner to them. Right. Because we also know that like they know certain things about the great dragon because they've been there. Right. You know, like these people don't know there's a pearl inside. So when they make this deal to say like, yeah, sure. You can have the body. We don't want that body. What are you going to do with all that meat? Like we don't have refrigerators. <laughs> I don't know. I assume they I think you live forever off that thing. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, like you know, 
flash freeze. You could right salt now. it and smoke it, but it still that'd take forever. Yeah, you know, can you imagine the bonfire? I mean, there's not enough burnable things on Tatooine, you know, it's like, it's no. not like you can get like twigs or wood or, you know, it's like, how do you, I mean, you, we, we do see them making a fire. So what is that? Well, just what, are, what are they burning? Yeah, that's like, I've never thought about that ever. It's like, what do you have to burn? Like, really? Yeah. Um, on sand, there might be glass underneath it, you know, after a while, like, you know, where you get the fire. We we did see like in episode two that the Tuscan Raiders actually have like villages where they build their shacks out of some kind of twig kind of right. you know stick kind of thing. So um, they they must. Can you imagine if that fire was just like oh we use bantha fur? Like, yeah. like how gross that would be to smell that burning. Um, it's our special blend of dung. Yeah, that's what I'm it's the bantha fodder. It's just like it's really high and yeah. <laughs> um okay so i had i tr i really was like i wanted to give my my first takes my my first reactions to 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 this i didn't want to like go deep diving on the internet um you know i feel like you know you can do that on your own <laughs> the the listener thanks for tuning in but i'm not like reading other things <laughs> i i just really didn't want my opinion or like even some some of kind of my first initial reactions uh to be you know influenced um or even theories however um because my brother i've got him now hooked on this show and he's just like calling me up he's like hey you know and he sent me this youtube link um which was interesting because it theorized that one of the tuscan raiders is actually Boba Fett in that scene where they're by the fire. So now, oh. now the video that I saw, they point to they pointed to the earlier scene with the Mandalorian, and he's he's talking to the Tuscans just to find most um, Pelgo. They did not point to this scene where he's actually with Cobb Vanth um, and the Tuscan Raiders, which is weird because there is one specific Tuscan Raider. And I think this scene, you know, shows it or demonstrates it a lot better. There's one Tuscan Raider that's kind of standing to the side that actually, like, for a second, it looks like he's looking at Cobb Vanth. But he's he's not with the group. He's kind of, like, off to the side, and he looks, looks over. As he's looking over, the next shot we have is on Cobb Vanth. Um, so it's like, okay, was that Boba Fett disguised or, or you know, basically living as a sand person? And you know is you know so anyway, interesting. Yeah. Um, and again, this video pointed to a different sand person in an earlier scene. I feel like it's actually in this scene that uh, you could you could actually make the case that 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 Tuscan, right before it cuts back to to Cobb Vanth, um, while they're they're around the dung fire. So I'll have to go back and watch it. Yeah, I mean, just that that scene. It kind of you're like, oh, I guess I could see that. You know, like that there is a little. So anyway, um, we've kind of talked a bit about around this, this whole like deal that's worked out because we're, we're really building up to, um, well, I think we skipped over the first meeting of the crate Dragon because there's two, essentially. We first see the crate Dragon when they go just to kind of see where it lives. Mm -hmm. And we see the crate Dragon, what we think is going to eat a Bantha, um, but then ends up eating the, the sand person, which, which is great. I actually liked that scene a lot because I thought it was just going to be very like, straightforward. Like, oh, they're going to bait it and it comes out and eat it. You know, that's it. But then when it eats the sand person, 
I not only like, like that, I like the reaction of the sand people up on the hill watching this. Cause it's like one of those moments like, Oh crap. Like, you're like, <laughs> they got Billy. You know, yeah. you know, like, it's like, I just love that. Cause you could see them like going like, Oh, that yeah. sucks. Yeah. yeah uh, I think when I was watching with, with my kids, um, we were all like, why didn't he run sooner? Like you call and then you run like, right. you know, have you ever not like, uh, you know, what, what is it? Like you knock and, and you leave something on the yeah, door. Yeah, knock, knock, bitch. Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> that's what I was thinking of. I was like, no, you call and then you just run, man. You don't wait. Uh, but uh, that's on him. <laughs> um, by the way, why, why is this mining collective called the Red, but they all have blue masks? I don't know. It's okay. like you know, the, the, that mining crew that kind of takes over the whole thing. It's like they all have blue masks. They don't have red. Right. So well, kinda... I mean, they weren't called red in the show. They're just called the mining collective. But like in the yeah. book, they're the red thing. So like, I, that's what I was kind of wondering, like why they kind of retconned that, you know, like I'm wondering, I'm wondering now, like, so aftermath and, 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 uh, you know, the, the aftermath trilogy, they always have these like little interludes, which I enjoyed because they were snapshots of things around the galaxy as they were happening, told from different points of view. Um, and I'm, and I'm wondering if, if that's, where he appeared or if he was a, a larger character in the book. I cannot remember. So I apologize, listeners. I blame Chris for not being here. <laughs> right. Because, um, you know, it was his time to shine. You know? No, and he also probably has played Knights of the Old Republic. Am I right? Yeah. Yes. I'm, that is not a game I'm familiar with. Um, oh, it was like one of the best games ever in 2003. But I heard. And apparently there's a whole mission where you have yeah. to get a crate and pearl and they basically do it the same way that they kill this one yeah that's right there's so many pearls or easter eggs in this episode i mean i can get to that now but that's that's actually what you do in that game is that it's one mission where you're on tatooine and you have to go kill a crate dragon and when you get the pearl you're given options because this that game was kind of beyond a first person game it was you know like you had options of where you know everything you did chose if you're going to be on the good side or the bad side you know mm-hmm. and so when you got the pearl um, you could either give it to the sand people for to forge an alliance for future things on the planet. You could help improve your lightsaber or just trade it away for money for credits. So that was like, you know, just it was like any other game back then. It was like, Oh, like here's your reward. What are you going to do with it? You know, so when we say that it, that it uh, is used in lightsabers, I'm mm-hmm. imagining that, that it's like, you know, turquoise to native americans like it's just like a decorative kind of like inlay that's like you know used on the handle hilt or does it actually like have a special purpose no so it's one of those things that the way i understand it is that inside the pearl because like you remember the crate dragon's eating the sand it's eating things in the ground that sometimes in the pearls they would eat actual kyber crystals like that's the way it's explained and so it's refined like throughout the pearl that you have kyber crystals in there so it's a it would be a a more specialized blade huh okay so it would be used in the blade making mm-hmm. i'm thinking in terms of like hey man you want to see my cool crate dragon like uh pearl handle, handle. <laughs> you know, it's like i mean other than Mace Windu, who would who would have that? You know, I could see I Windu having the pearl handle. Yeah, you know? medallion that I got when I was on Tatooine at a thrift shop. So, it's got crate dragon pearl, man. It's real crate dragon pearl. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Sorry. Um, okay, so um, I'm skipping around because we're 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 kind of leading up to the the main event, right? Like mm-hmm. where they like, you know, we we talked about like how they go to the townspeople. They're like, hey, let's do this, you know. And we even see, like, are you stupid? You're gonna blow us up. Um, which I saw that that was also could be a slight reference to Jaws, and the fact that there's oh there's right. This- he like drops those canisters. Yeah. That's also the thing that ends up actually blowing up jaws and like killing jaws. So, you know, is that those, those little canisters that they end up putting on the Bantha. Um, mm-hmm. So, um, so this, this whole, um, you know, I, and I love the little mock maquette or like the little makeup that they do, the little model of like, Oh, this is like the, the bones and these little yeah. pebbles are up. That's that's too big. That's not to scale. <laughs> it's like, scale. oh no, it's to scale. Yeah. <laughs> you saw it at one point. Like, would, would you think you've um, seen it twice at least? Yeah. You know, you're like, did you not have eyes? The thing is huge. Yeah. yeah. We also get, uh, you know, the the mention that um, that it lives in an old sarlacc. Yeah. Um, you know, pit basically, or an old sarlacc. Um, and uh, he said, you know, well, you know, I've never seen any, you know an empty Sarlacc pit before. Right. And uh, we get this illusion to like, you know, unless something else eats it. Yeah. So, which makes, again, if we connect the breadcrumbs here, perhaps this is also how Boba Fett got out. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's a good reasoning behind it. Uh, we don't know, but yeah, I mean, we assume that the crate dragon ate, you know, the Sarlacc. I mean, I know in the comic book that uh, Boba Fett, makes a connection with someone that was eaten like a long prior and like he gets the rocket, I think to detonate and which Mm -hmm. allows like a bubble to happen and he can get out from there. And that's how he escapes it in the comic, which I was no longer canon of course, but we could see that. I mean, we could easily uh, find out whenever episode, which could be the next episode where he actually talks to Boba Fett, um, how he gets out. Yeah. And I mean, if you, if you think about the, like, I mean, he could be knocked unconscious. He could be laying there in the desert with like these, this armor plating. Like that's how he would survive basically mm-hmm. like by, by, you know, that acid is, right. is the main armor. So I guess just that, that idea that perhaps uh, that's how he survived. Maybe the Jawas come across him. He's passed out in the desert. The Jawas strip it. Yeah. strip it. He's just laying there and, you know, maybe, who know, who knows where we go from there if we'll get get more of that backstory um from what i know boba fett's not really a talking kind of character yeah for real he's no good to me dead um now the acid that you brought up that was one of the things that really kind of irked me just a little bit because like right. you see when the crate dragon shows up you know and the detonation really didn't work you see all this acid he vomits up and these, it's like basically like alien, you know, like, I mean, the, the acid just completely disintegrates anything it touches. And then how, I mean, they are, he's not covered from head to toe completely right. in Beskar. So it's like, how did that really work? You know? So my, my only understanding is, is that, okay, A, the Kray Dragon spits the acid, much right. like in the, the dragon would spit fire. Right but it's not lining his innards like a Sarlacc. Yeah. Um, but you're right. It would disintegrate cloth. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
that he's swallowed. So he's got to be in like some kind of stomach acid for at least a second. Um, it's Star Wars, man. It's Star Wars. You just got to believe it. Uh, okay. So the action sequence, though, that takes place, and I love that we get the second rocket. Yep. You know, maybe there's a magazine. Maybe like he bought a deal on Amazon. Sears. You know, you buy six, you know, or, or maybe that canister, it's like there's one and then there's one right behind it. Now, let's just say like that would have been a cool call out too. I mean, it might have been a bit beating you over the head, but if he, what if he would have done that? Like, what if at that point, you know, at some point before they get to the battle, somebody says like, "Oh, where'd you get that rocket?" He's like, "Oh, I got from Tashi Station." You know? Yeah, <laughs> or something yeah. Like you know, like, oh, I went and picked it up. You know, because yeah. you know, you get you get power converters. I can get some rockets there too. Cool. Why not? Like, <laughs> I traded for it, at Tashi. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Then Tashi. Yeah. Oh, cool. All right. Got you. <laughs> um cleared it up right there <laughs> i love i love that shot i mean and he and he uses it in such a cool way because it, it hits the eye and you know i kept waiting for you know a moment of like where they they like striked at something that that was weak you know mm-hmm. and they clearly were trying to get to the belly which didn't work and i think everybody kind of knew like okay whatever the plan's going to be it's going to backfire um well that that was something that because how many other movies have we seen like uh, I know there's another dragon movie where they did that um, with Matthew McConaughey rain of fire. And there's a couple of other things where you've seen like, like even tremors, you know, it's like you've seen how big the mouth is of this creature. It's like, why didn't you just fire a rocket down its Into- mouth? You know, when it has its mouth open, that would make way more sense than like, Oh, let's just put out these mines underneath it. And the chance it might kill it from underneath. Like I was like, okay. But, but I mean, you know, think about our mouth, you know, it's like if you shoot something in, it's just going to go to the back of our throat. It's not going to yeah. go to our belt. So we're not a worm, you know. True. True. Now, that's another thing, too, about crate dragon. Every time I've seen a crate dragon up until now, it's had legs. Mm-hmm. So this one didn't have legs, though. So that was another kind of retcon thing they did as well. Oh, we didn't even talk about that. Like how this is also the drag, the crate dragon was also another throwback to a new hope with the, the bones being there in the dude scene. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, um, and they they throw bantha bones in one of the the, the scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's cool because that's another callback. You know, you see the bantha skeleton just kind of sitting there in the desert. So, um, yeah. Um, so the um, a couple other a couple other cool moments, I guess, um, from that that whole sequence, that that whole action sequence, though, is them flying up together. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like such a buddy moment. Like, hey, you got a rocket? I got a rocket. Let's go. Let's, Let's go. get higher. This guy, you know. But I also liked how they continued to show that the that the creature would be going inside that mountain, like climbing up, you know, and like erupting out, like. Um, so, uh, just the choreography of that. Um, and, um, I, I kind of thought it was weird because I mean, who's, who am I to know anything about what, what a crate dragon can and cannot do. But, you know, up until that point, we'd only seen it come out of sand, you know, something that's yeah. fairly easy to, to get through. Right. But when it comes out of the mountain, which is rock, I was like, Whoa, how'd it do that? You know, I yeah. mean, it was just one of those kind of like a little bit of didn't believe it. It was like, dude, you just knocked the roof off your house, man. Like what the heck, you know? <laughs> um, but, yeah, hard to say. Um, to say. So, and, yeah, go ahead. Don't forget about you know the other cool scene with okay. when they're when they're back on the ground. You know, uh, with because you know he fires the rocket, and then 
he's like, okay, take care of the child. And then we get a when we get a return of the Jedi moment where he just hits the jetpack the same way Han does That's from right. the back, and then it launches him up almost kind of in the same kind of like what the you know like <laughs> then takes off. I mean, it was neat a uh, little how the you know, Boba Fett's jetpack's got a, a faulty. It's it's it. I think it's just part of you know the Fett legacy. You know, um, Django you know had the same faulty rocket kind of backpack, so it's just like. Maybe it's just the way they're made. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, exactly. We haven't seen that with with Mando's yet because his his new. It's, yeah. yeah, it's it's got like a two year warranty. Mm-hmm. So like after two years, it's like it's going to have its own little bugs, you know. You, you do kind of wonder what the difference is because you know Mando's does not have a rocket on it. It's just yeah. like a, it's got the same kind of design, but it's it just has like more of a flat piece on there. So you're mm-hmm. like, well. Is his just made for flight and that's it? I think know? so. I mean, he 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 needs to meet with the armorer again to get the upgrade. So I'm surprised we didn't get a like, I need to get one of those <laughs> moments, you know, as he sees the rocket fire. Um, all right. So um, we, we see this, this big battle go down um, uh, the, uh, you know, and I was kind of like, he's so quick to be like, take care of the child. I'm going to go die. Yeah. For real. I'm going to die for a cause that you are part of, you know, like I, I'm fine with it. No nitpicks here, but you know, maybe Cobb Vanth is the one that steps up and says like, you know, Hey, I've got this, this is my town. And maybe he's the one that kind of steps up and makes that sacrifice, but whatever it's, it's Mando's show. So, you know, he's, he's got the cool, you know, uh, stun, you know, fork kind of thing. I actually, the actually now that I'm thinking, I would have probably liked that if like they would have been discussing that after he fired the rocket. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. what do we do? It's like, and then like Amanda said, we've got to get inside. You know, yeah. and then said like, all right, I'm going to do it. And then like, and then Cobb just grabbed his arm. Was like, I've got it. You know, yeah, and then, yeah, that, exactly. I think that would have been a cool, yeah. That you know, like like he owns. You know, you know, he kind of owns up to like because I mean, it's really his goal. It's his purpose. You know, right. like this, this whole. Um, but you know, um, Mando earns it. Yeah, doesn't get his uh, pants. They don't disintegrate with That'd the acid. That would have been really uh, disturbing for a Disney Plus show. He flies out. He's like kind of stark naked. Yeah, on the just, bottom. Just, just the armor. His butt's just, just hanging out. It's just reveals nude body showing through. You know, it's just like what? It's like he's wearing chaps. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he he lands, and all we see is the backside of him. You're like, ah, oh, didn't he see yeah. that? Close your eyes, baby Yoda. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he puts his hand up. He's like blocking his eyes. Like, ah. <laughs> um, okay, so everything's saved. All things are good in the in the world. Um, mm-hmm. Nothing could possibly go wrong again. Um, and then we we get the the, the Boba Fett shot. So. Yeah, it was really cool. I mean, he gives, surrenders the armor, and then yeah, he, uh, Mando's riding off on the speeder bike, and then yeah, we see um, at least the actor. You know, Tamara. I never say his first name right. Tam- I know Tamara Tamara Morrison. And uh, you know, of course, part of me is thinking, is it Boba Fett? It's Boba Fett. Yeah, but then I'm like, yeah, it makes sense. It's got to be Boba Fett because if it's the clone, if it was a clone trooper or Rex he would look a lot older. So I was like, yeah, it's gotta be Boba Fett. I mean, age aside, age aside, um, we, we know that Rex has got the beard. He's got right. the cool, you know, white, 
goatee beard. And also he's got no eyebrows. Mm. Like when you see him, you know, and he's clearly has some scar tissue on, I mean, they, they did a great job of, I mean, even though it's in the dark light, I mean, they, they clearly put on some, some makeup to, to give him some, some look of, of, of scarring, you know, which would make sense. You know, it's like, if you're in a Sarlacc pit, you're going to have some acid um, burns, you know? So, or if he was in the side of the, you know, crate dragon. Oh yeah. So, true, true. Um, however he got out, um, he's got some scar tissues and, and this is goes to, I guess that, that fan theory that I was kind of mentioning about, like, is he, or was he one of the Tuscan Raiders? Mm-hmm. Like, has he been, you know, he, he, why would he go out like in the middle of this desert and just be like, Oh, what are they working on? Cool. Like it makes more sense that he would have been with them mm-hmm. or shadowing them. Maybe he doesn't know who he is. He, well, he might not, or he, maybe he just, that's just, he gave up that part of his life, you know, yeah. or maybe, maybe the Tuscan Raider saved him, you know, maybe. Right. I mean, that's, that's another thing. Like, that's, you know, like what and, you're saying, like, what if he got out the, the Java strip him and he's basically mm-hmm. naked out in the desert and the, and the, the Raiders find him and then they basically embrace him as one of their own. Yeah. And he's been living that lifestyle ever since. And until he saw that armor, yeah. he didn't know. Yeah. I mean, or, maybe, or maybe he he might not even want it back. I mean, who right. knows? Like we assume this is what's going to bring him and Manto together. You know, it's yeah. like you know, but maybe he just really is just going to help him. Like and just be like, hey, like that. You know, I used to be this, and I but I know how to find, you know, huh. Sabine. I know how to find you know someone well, else. You know, it just points him in the right way. But I I thought that this might actually the way that this went went down. Uh, this episode, I thought that this really sets up how he can find Ahsoka. Yeah. Which is the fact that he's going around asking, Hey, have you seen any other Mandalorians? Oh yeah. There's this Mandalorian that I saw on blah, blah, blah. And he Mm -hmm. goes and he finds Sabine, you know, and Oh, by the way, Sabine knows Ahsoka, you Mm -hmm. know, and they're together. I I just felt like it, it kind of sets up a little bit more of this because, you know, there's seven more episodes to go. And, you know, last season, you know, we, we definitely got those standalone episodes. This is a standalone episode that doesn't really move the story along that much. We, no. All we know is, is that he got some new Boba Fett armor. Um, and we actually, we don't see him leave Tatooine. No. So, I, I, don't, I don't think he will, yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, maybe, you know, does the next episode start with him leaving Tatooine or does it does it start off like he's just in space on another adventure? We, did, we didn't really see him, like, peace out. Um, you know, it, it, it brings up questions, though, as to how Boba Fett will track down the Mandalorian, follow him, find him, like, like you know. And, I mean, these are all kind of, like, hypotheticals at this point because we're, we're now kind of at the end of the episode where we're just saying, like, what what next you know um that's a good question i mean like who knows like he could get back you know at the very beginning of the next episode and something's wrong with the ship you know or maybe he doesn't have enough money to pay her you know no uh, you got that meat man you got the meat but you know maybe it's not enough you know maybe he's like no i wanted two you know or <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> uh, uh, the one question i did have though because that was something i had theorized about and we talked about was at the end of uh, episode five of the first season uh, after uh, Venetic 
uh, Shand, Sand, you know, the, 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 the bounty hunter who gets killed, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. at the very yeah. end of that scene, we see someone walk up to the body right. and all we hear, what well, we see is black boots and mm-hmm. hear spurs, which a lot of people thought, oh, is it Boba Fett? Because Boba Fett wore spurs. And so, I mean, now it does give it some, some truth in that and that it could have been him, you know, just curious. Or, like, or was it Cobb Vance? Or it could have been Cobb Vance. You don't because know. Because we also hear the Spurs when he rolls up. True. So, um, I mean, it it's easy enough to be like, okay, that was Cobb Vance, but now we actually see Boba Fett. So, mm-hmm. um, and 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 again, who knows when we'll see Boba Fett again? I mean, the the show has been pretty good at like peppering out a lot of the characters, and I could easily, you know, see them doing something where. Um, you know, he's just being trailed by him, you know, mm-hmm. like, uh, I mean, whatever Boba Fett's story is, and I, I feel like they, they, they have to almost keep it at arm's length is that because, you know, you don't want it to be the Boba Fett show. No. And, uh, but he does create a great foil. Um, but Boba Fett's always been a character that works for himself as a mercenary. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's given up that life. Right. Maybe he doesn't want a bounty anymore. And I think that's, we've kind of hinted at that already. I think that's the way to go with it, you know, because I don't want to see like a Mando and Boba Fett team up, really. I, I just, I'd much rather him say, like, oh, I turned over a new leaf, you know, or, mm-hmm. or something, and like, this is the life I lead now, you know, or, or whatever, and just kind of give him aid, but not, you know, I don't, I, you know. I'm, I'm still, I'm still on board with, um, Episode eight um, of the season, it is Boba Fett wearing the Mandalorian armor. And I mean, that's fine. That's fine. Oh, the shootout. <laughs> I like that. I want to see that. I mean, we got a tease to it basically at the beginning of this episode. You know, how it's a Western. How cool would it be to have who we now love as the Mandalorian? You don't get I know. I, well, it's just because, like, I, I think there's too many people that like the mystery of Boba Fett. And they like the character of Boba Fett. And I think to only have him in like, say, two or three episodes, like I said, because you don't want it to be the Boba Fett show, but to have a shootout with him, and let's say he's in this episode, let's say he's in the next episode, and then episode eight, to kill off a major, not a major, but to kill off a side character like that, who's had such a long history and a legend, oh, I think I would think really you, disappoint a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, I don't think you can kill him off. Um, not after, like, you just brought him back. It's kind of like how... I think I talked about you cannot introduce Ahsoka in one episode. Have this be the first time we see a live action Ahsoka, and oh by the way, she dies. <laughs> right? You know, like like it's no, that's not how you world build and 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 create like a, a great tapestry. You know, it's like you can kill her off in season six <laughs> of her own show. Uh-huh. Anyway. All right. Um, we could continue. Is there any other last thoughts that you have about? Because I, I mean, we're we're almost at an hour and a half here, um, and and I and I really do. There's so much I feel like in this episode, um, and I know you have a you have some other maybe notes. No. Oh, well, I mean, not about the, not about the show. Okay. All right. Uh, I think we've covered it pretty well. But yeah, you know, um, looking forward to next week. You could go yeah. anywhere. I, I know. And um, like I said, I mean, he's he hasn't left Tatooine yet. Are they just going to say, oh, 
pages magically left? Are we going to get a, at least a little bit of a connection? Like it starts off on Tatooine, you know, let's, you know, it, where's slave one? Is it parked on? I mean, you got to figure if Boba Fett's out of the commission, like some other bounty hunter came through and like stole that. Yeah. I mean, most likely it was parked at Jabba's palace, you know, and then it's been what, seven years, you know, it's gone. It's got that crate dragon alarm system. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. It does. Uh, but you know, it's, it's like one of those things, like one of those big plot holes in, um, in a uh, Empire Strikes Back, you know, like uh, Luke flies to Cloud City in the X-wing, he doesn't leave on the X-wing, right. but yet he has it in Return of the Jedi. You're like, well, how'd you get your plane back? <laughs> like, you know, like, we're just... okay, whatever. Um, I have a little bit of fan fiction that I that I kind of was working on a story. I think we may have talked about it, um, either on our, or on air or off air of a story in between Empire and and Jedi where. They actually, they actually did this in the Marvel, the current Marvel run of Star Wars, um, the most recent run. Um, it, I had kind of penned it in my own mind of how it could go down, but I, I wanted, you know, I, I like the idea of having a Lando Luke team up. I always liked that aspect and how unique that would be um, to see a post empire like them, them going to Cloud City to find Luke's lightsaber going down into the trash, you know, area with Ugnaughts. And like, you see them kind of like searching for this um, lightsaber and then also, Oh, by the way, stumbling into some of the emperor's Royal guard doing the same thing, hmm. you know, and, and you could have a, a whole chase, a whole fight, a whole like exit where they're trying to get out of there. Um, do, do they find the hand as well? <laughs> they're like attached to they don't find it you know oh, they don't yeah, find right. it so but because they they run into imperial guards that they're they're kind of chased off they get separated because they're they're on a twin cloud car that's like split it like it kind of explodes and then one pod goes down and we well, actually they see, would both go down because the engine is in the center it is in the center but but lando somehow is able to like crash land it back onto bespin However, Luke crashes on a floating rock island in the space nebula of the clouds deep, deep below, you know, so you kind of see this rocky island floating kind of in in the clouds um, where he finds a green um, kyber crystal Hmm. that that becomes the, the the basically the kyber crystal he'll use. So that was the story that I was loosely writing. Um, I wanted him to find a a crazy hermit um, that would also kind of challenge him and try to kill him. So, um, yeah, that's (laughs) maybe Lando's the one that comes back and and rescues Luke. But uh, that's as far as I got with that, that story. And, uh, you know, the Marvel version you can, you can read it's, it's okay. You know, so do you want, do you want me to give a book review of Dooku Jedi Lost? Or you want to say? Oh it for yeah, that yeah, yeah. Let, let's let's do that. Um, we can we can continue this 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 podcast. So okay. I know that you had um, you had picked it up. I was curious about this 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 book because I know it came out on audio form yeah. and the would, audio form. What I did was I I so I had I had purchased the audio book maybe two three months ago and I just hadn't got around to listening to it. But I'm someone that likes to listen as well as read. Oh, okay. And so I saw the book at Target on for sale for like eight bucks. And I was like, nice. gotta get that. And yeah. I, and I had been mean to buy it anyway. So I got it, read it in three days. 
Um, I was extremely impressed with it. It's not written like a traditional novel. It's written more like a play or because uh, it has, you know, scene one and then sets up what it looks like. And then you just have the dialogue, you know, and that's it. Like none of the, you know, like he breathed heavily, you know, I like guess it's, <laughs> it's all just, you know, like sets it up and then you read the dialogue and then, uh, but it was actually, it's very good. Um, especially if you're interested in Dooku and the early Dooku, mm. uh, and I felt that there could be another book in there somewhere. I don't know how they would actually do it, but um, because like basically it's, it's told through the eyes of Ventress, who is Dooku's uh, assassin slash Padawan slash, you know, Sith apprentice, whatever you want to call her. And it's right after she first becomes his apprentice. Um, mm. And he sends her on this mission to save his sister or at least to find her. And, while she's doing this, he gives her like this, this whole things of holocrons and each of them are different phases in his life from like early childhood training as an initiate uh, to a Padawan, to a Jedi Knight, to him being a Jedi master. So you do get, you see his whole life as a Jedi. Um, and you know, you have Qui-Gon in there being a Padawan, you have his first Padawan, you have like all these different little stories that really kind of clue you into how Dooku thinks, hmm. which I thought was really interesting. Of course, the whole time you have Ventress going like, that's not the master I know because you know, like all he does is electrocute her all the time. Um, hmm. but I really enjoyed it. Um, and there's definitely, there's only one mentioned, because at this point she does not know who the emperor is or who Palpatine is. And there's only one mention of a dark, a dark robed person. And, you know, there's a lot of Sifo Dias in there as well. Cause they were best friends. Oh, yeah. And so that's where I think if they're making another one, it's just where it should go. It should go into like how Dooku came under Sidious's, you know, how they became acquaintances. And, and that, and that point too, where Sifo Dias and Dooku were still close, even though he's not a Jedi order, but how the whole clone creation and the betrayal and all that happens and how sifo doesn't really die, but how he disappears. You know, like I think that's where if they're making another book where it should go, but I really did enjoy it. It's a quick read. Like I said, it took me three days really about it took me, I think I read maybe two or three hours a day. So, I mean, I got through it pretty quick because it is, even though it's 400 pages, it's like I said, it's written more like a screenplay or a, so it's not like a, a full page crammed, you know, yeah. it's just like a line, 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 you know? Yeah. No, that's cool. I, um, um, I know that the, the audio book was touted as kind of like more of a theatrical thing. Like they, had it is different. Yes. You know, um, there's lots of voice actors, you know, doing it all. And, and it does. And that's why I'm saying I, I liked listening to it as well as going along with the pages. Cause that way you can, you understand like if you quite can't understand what they're saying. Cause you know, you have a lot of alien voices and Yoda voices and things. Oh, you're sure. like, I'm not sure exactly what they said, but if I can read them, I'm like, Oh, got it. Got it. You know? Yeah. They said that the the sun doesn't sh- shine on the swamp rats tail. Two suns. Two suns. Two suns. <laughs> two suns shining on swamp swamps. Rat. Yeah. No, it was a mouthful. I'm sure he probably had to do it in a few takes. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, no, that's that's cool. Um, I was definitely curious about that book. I know, um, even though Darth Plagueis is no longer canon, um, that's a, a really great book in the fact that it, and I would say, like the first three quarters is 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 a lot more about Palpatine and and you know his master, and the last quarter is basically like, and this is how it connects to the Phantom Menace, 
you know, and like you see the events of Phantom Menace play out and like how he was basically, you know, had Darth Maul, um, you know, while he was also talking to Count Dooku. So I could see them kind of going back in and like fixing some of those things or adjusting some of those things. But that would be the other thing that I would, you know, if they were, if they're going to make it canon, if they're not going to make it canon, but you know, it would be one way of maybe retconning or pulling in the rise of Skywalker and the whole idea of um, Exegol, you know, and you could actually like go a little bit more into like the, you know, the lore, the history of that. Cause you know, I, uh, one of the things that was fun about Rebels when it was airing was that they would they would always as soon as one of the new movies came out, you know, it was just like as soon as Rogue One came out, it's like boom! All of a sudden, we got Death Troopers everywhere. Cool, right. you know, um, and which dates it in some ways, but you know, in other ways, you know, it it helps fill out things. It's like as soon as we got the Cross Guard, you know, it's like boom! You know, you see. Um, you see an episode in which, you know, he's picking up the, the you know, a, a, a cross guard, but it's green. Um, I think it's, uh, Ezra, um, and the, in the, one of the Sith temples, he picks up a lightsaber that's got the, the green cross guard. So, yeah, I can't remember. I know I wrote it down somewhere about within the Dooku, like there's a mention of another Darth in it and, like very briefly, but I remember like, cause like I, I, that's what I've wanted for a long time. That's one of the things I was disappointed with with the sequel trilogy. Cause I always wanted it to be Darth Plagueis, not the emperor again. Cause I think it would have been a nice bookend to bookend. Mm-hmm. If you would have seen this, like, like Plagueis, his master, uh, yeah. like, you know, let's say that the Sith had died out for the, for the millennium, you know, like the rule two still stood, but they really had lost touch with, the dark side, you know, like not totally, but they weren't as powerful as what, and then they started discovering these Sith relics, which started to infuse them again and like learning knowledge. And that's why Plagueis was called Darth Plagueis the Wise because his mission he felt was to gather knowledge about the Sith. Mm-hmm. And he was teaching Sidious all these things, but then of course Sidious being Sidious got too confident and wanted the power for himself. And so he felt, you know, he thought he killed Plagueis, but Plagueis never really died. And so yeah. Plagueis just let it, let Sidious do his own thing saying, all right, fine. You go do my dirty work while I continue to gain knowledge. No, I, I mean, it would have been really cool to, to pull in Plagueis at the end, especially if you had Exegol full of these Sith artifacts. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. Sith artifacts, like, you know, I mean, and this is where I've always kind of felt like you can't really have a Sith ghost. It, if you do, it has to be connected to an object. Right. So, you know, like Darth Vader's mask where you have kind of like this dark side that Kylo's communicating with or in the comics, which uh, there's a Lando comic of all things um, that uh, is really cool because he he basically steals the Emperor's ship and there's an artifact on there that's, uh, you know, possessed by a Sith. Um, I think that's how it goes down. If I'm if I'm remembered correctly, but there's there's some dark side elements that come through in a in a Lando book where you're like not expecting that to to occur. So well, that's that's one of the interesting things I, I felt in the uh, the Dooku book is that when he is still a uh, um, a youngling before he actually gets chosen by a, a master to be a Padawan, he's he wants this uh, I forget what her last name is, but it's like he just calls her Lynn. I think Lynn and she is kind of a Sith uh, I, uh, artifact hunter is what she likes. That's what she's obsessed with. Is a comb- Sith Lord. <laughs> no, yeah. But uh, she's, she likes to comb the galaxy 
for these artifacts. And like, mm-hmm. there's a whole, it's very, like I said, it's kind of like Harry Potter in a way in that they're they're him and Sifo-Dyas when they're young, discover this room. That's just full of Sith artifacts. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I'm saying. Like, there's a lot of, there could have been, a, there's a lot of potential there for tie-ins uh, yeah. of what we're talking about. And, uh, Oh, I mean, even Dr. Afra, um, the Dr. Yeah, Afra, yeah, yeah. I mean, she is an, basically she's Han Solo. She's a female Han Solo. Well, no, sorry. A female Indiana Jones slash Han Solo um, because she is an archaeologist that is like always finding these artifacts. And there's some right. really cool ways that they tie in Jedi lore and, you know, Sith lore into to all of uh, her stories. So um, and if, if you're uh, if you're really interested in, in a great character that Marvel the new Marvel has made out of Star Wars, you know, the Dr. Afro comics um, are a lot of fun. They're, they're funny. Like there's, there's some actually like, I would say the first run. Um, Didn't they introduce Dr. Afra in rebels? They introduced her in uh, Darth Vader. Um, That's com- it. In yeah. A com- yeah. I knew I had you know, seen her somewhere else. So like, she, okay. She's introduced in, I think the first Darth Vader volume um, that Marvel has done. And then she gets her own storyline. Um, and you can read the, the, the Dr. Afra comic without having to read the Darth Vader one. Um, but there's some very, very funny writing, like just like the 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 dialogue and um, that happens within those those stories uh, is very witty. Um, and uh, you know, it's also a very unique character in the the fact that um, and I, I think that I don't know, just like the, all of the different things like she's really out for herself. She's super selfish. see she is an anti-hero through and through. So mm-hmm. like there's moments where you're like, I like you, but I hate you. (laughs) (laughs) So um, anyway, this show's gone on long enough. We'll be back next week with chapter two. Uh, No, sorry. Scratch that chapter 10. I'm I'm thinking of like season two, chapter two, but uh, season two, episode two, we'll be back two and two. Um, If you have any feedback, we'd love to read it on the air, give you our thoughts. Uh, Send us an email to theforceiswelldone at gmail.com. You can rate and review us on iTunes. We'd always appreciate that because there's a lot of Star Wars podcasts out there. But the more you click uh, five stars and give us some feedback, that that helps people recognize that we are a unique Star Wars show. (laughs) And the fact that we don't really have Star Wars in our podcast name. We are owner. <laughs> uh, you can become a patron. Um, go over to jandjack.com. Click on the patron link. Become a patron at the smallest level to the largest level. You can listen to Nick and I on the RCAD podcast. It's also on the Jay and Jack network where we talk about all things and we are more explicit. At this point, I'd like to thank a few patrons that make this show possible. And as always, they are Star Wars themed. I tried to relate it back to this episode, so stick with me. We have Tack Tween, Moss Eckhart, Boba Ed, Marshall Maggie, Bantha Plan Joanne, and Crate Gregan. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, Good ones. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Thanks for doing what you do. Thanks for helping out the show. We appreciate you. And, um, this was a great show, right? It was. It was. It was a good one. It's very rare that we go almost two hours. It is. It's it's a treat for for you and me. But uh, we we love talking Star Wars, and we'll probably get off of this podcast and still talk Star Wars. So oh, no doubt. 